Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome to the Collaborative Warriors podcast. He's Brady, I'm Jazz. This is brought to you by SB Nation. And don't forget to check us out through the season on goldenstateofmind.com. We're recording this in between games. The Warriors came up just short in a 111-107 loss to the Celtics on Tuesday. Uh, Brady, when you were watching this game, and I'll get into my thoughts in a second, and trust me, I'm going to go a little bit long, so I'm going to let you start off. Um, what went wrong for the team down the stretch? Like you're watching the way they were they were coming together, and again, the Warriors now three and nine against playoff level teams or teams above 500. Uh, what do you think went wrong against Boston specifically, and what do you think they needed to change that going forward? I felt like primarily they kind of fell back on some bad habits that they've had throughout the season. And they'd done uh, a good job in the first half of kind of uh, limiting some of those bad habits. Uh, but then as you got, as you got further in down the game, as the, as the deficit started to grow, you started to see them kind of fall back into the, some of those patterns where they're not moving the ball as much. They're not moving off ball and, and cutting as much and, and players don't seem to, to be quite as sure where they're supposed to be. Um, so I felt like they were just, they got undisciplined a little bit. And then to me, it was just also, they had such a tiny margin for error against Boston. Um, even, you know, with Kemba Walker still not quite back to hundred percent. And even with Marcus Smart out, it's just a better team uh, than the Warriors are at the moment. Uh, and they have a lot more size. They're a much better rebounding team. I mean, I think the rebounding differential in this game was, was 15 more rebounds in Boston's favor and there were a few instances down the stretch where that just killed the Warriors where they get a stop but they can't get the rebound get a second stop can't get the rebound Boston hits them with the third chance points and the Warriors just don't have a big enough margin for error uh, to be able to succeed when when they're giving up those kinds of things. Well, and you mentioned the rebounding. Kavon Looney went out with an ankle injury, and he's, you know, their de facto starting five. I think Wiseman is, is technically the guy who's played more. He's out with the wrist injury. So, you know, he wasn't there. Then we saw them get out. I think the Celtics had six or seven offensive rebounds, I believe, in the fourth quarter, and that was kind of the the difference in the game. But getting back just to what you were talking about on the offensive end, because I was watching this yesterday, and at points I was getting so frustrated. I was, like, throwing my hands up. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, look to attack, look to move. Because Curry, we, we saw that yesterday. He ended up playing – minutes in the fourth quarter that he doesn't usually play. I think he, he started off the quarter and he finished with 39 minutes overall. So I think that gave us an insight into how Steve Kerr's feeling about the second unit. Like when they're not, when they're not going and we saw that yesterday, I mean, Toscano Anderson ended up playing pretty well, but he got way more minutes than what he's used to the rest of the bench guys. It's so hard for them to create an attack. And I know he's gotten creative in terms of trying to be like, let's go with Kelly Oubre. Let's go with Andrew Wiggins. Let's see what kind of, um, you know, what type of, of action is, or what type of game is going to suit our second unit. And and that has been such a struggle for the Warriors this year. I mean, they're still sitting above 500, which to me, I, I don't, I'm not surprised by that. I think they're, they're a middle of the pack NBA team, but ultimately it's when you're watching them, you're like, Oh my God, like the second unit guys look to attack. Like there was a play 
uh, in the game against the Celtics, I'd be Eric Pascal had the ball at the top of the key. I mean, he had an off night anyways, but he's been pretty solid in terms of his offensive numbers coming off the bench all season. And Toscano Anderson wide open on the corner. I think it could have cut the lead to, to one or two if he hit that. And Pascal catches the ball. His guy recovers, comes out to close out on him. And Toscano Anderson's like, hey, 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 give me the ball. Give me the ball. And Pascal kind of gives like a look and is like, now nah, I'm going to take up a pull-up contested 15-foot jumper. And I think that that's what it is. And I, I don't blame the players. I think they are what they are. But we're also seeing the shortcomings of a roster that really is missing, obviously, and, and any team would, is, is missing Clay Thompson. Yeah. And, and you know, we talked about this in the podcast last week that without Clay, they just don't have uh, that scoring option in the second unit. And, you know, that's on display anytime that Pascal doesn't have a great game. You know, he struggled. He struggled against Boston. He struggled a bit in the past few games after that really nice stretch of games that he had had. And, you know, they just don't really have a lot of options when he's not when he's not giving you 12 or 15 efficient points. Uh, you know, they, they don't have another go to bench score. Kelly Oubre, he's not really that. Sometimes he does really well in those second unit minutes when things are a little bit scattered and maybe he's getting some transition opportunities or some offensive rebounds, but he's not a give him the ball, let him score kind of guy. And if Pascal isn't, isn't providing that option on any given night, the Warriors just don't have that in their second unit. And you're kind of depending on just having this offense that is just five below average offensive players moving the ball around hoping that someone gets a good enough shot and most of the time it's just not good enough well and, and that's and that's the thing I think that's been the the frustrating part and I think we knew once once we heard about Clay's injury that damn you know the 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 title chances I say would pretty much got torpedoed at that point because I do think a roster with Stephen Curry Clay Thompson Draymond Green Andrew Wiggins James Wiseman I think they're good enough to compete for a championship because this is not the I mean the NFL you can see a quarterback makes a world of difference obviously but um, you know you can't just have a great wide receiver or a great offensive lineman and hope that's going to be enough to to win you the game and that's not the case in the NBA if you have a great player who's not only uh, probably your second best player behind Stephen Curry. He he would make a, a world of difference on this Warriors team. I want to bring this up with you too. Draymond Green. Um, love watching him play. I, I think he's amazing as in terms of an all-around talent. Uh, the way he pushes the ball, the way he reads the floor, the way he's able to be a true quintessential point forward, except for he can't shoot. <laughs> what is going on with, with Draymond? And do you think that's something that's going to be rectified at any point, because you look at what he was shooting, you know, in 2015, 2016, he was right around the 30% mark. And then since then, he's been 28.5 in, in 2018, 2019, below 30 again in uh, 2019, 2020, mind you, that, you know, that was a total transition year. But this season, 19.4% from the three-point line, they need that. A guy who's playing 27, 28 minutes a night, who's out there on the floor in today's NBA, where three-point shooting and spacing are at a premium, He's got to be better on that. Do you think there's something that he could do to change that? Or is this like, yo, this is Draymond now, and this is what we're stuck with? Yeah, I mean, I think there's always the potential for a player to get back a jumper that they lost. I mean, not that he was ever a, a good shooter, but he was passable enough that if he could, you know, bounce back to those 2015, 2016 levels, that would be great. Um, so, you know, I think that's always a possibility with something like a jump shot that isn't dependent on your athleticism or your health or anything like that. But at this point, you know, we're three years into a trend. Uh, I don't see it reversing. It, I, I don't think it's impossible. It wouldn't, you know, 
it wouldn't be the same as if you asked me if, you know, Steph Curry is going to start throwing down alley-oop dunks all the time. <laughs> like, obviously, that's just not going to happen. Um, you know, there's the possibility for Dre, but I don't think they can count on it. I don't think anyone should expect it. Uh, I think it's just something that they have to find a way to work around. And, and it's kind of impressive that he is such a remarkable playmaker and passer, despite not being seen as a threat to score the ball. Um, that's just wild and, and pretty rare to see a player that that defenses aren't worried about scoring still be one of the best playmakers and passers in the league. But the Warriors just need to constantly put the right people on the floor to maximize him and to minimize his shooting struggles. And he needs to constantly be doing the right things on the court because you see when he starts to slow things down, get a little bit into a, a normal half court set, the offense falls apart. When he's pushing the ball in transition, he is a superstar. When he's running the high pick and roll with Steph Curry, he's a superstar. But those are the situations that he needs to be putting himself in. The coaching staff needs to be putting himself in. Because if you're just trying to run a basic half-court offense and you're putting him out there next to Kevon Looney or Eric Pascal, someone else who can't shoot the three particularly well, it's just it's just a disaster. It's It's stagnant. Well, it's, it's funny because I noticed that against the Celtics, he tried throw, throwing a couple of alley-oops up to Looney. And I'm like, dude, that ain't Wiseman. You know you know what I mean? Like, you're not, he's not catching that and, and throwing it down from, you know, a foot away from the rim or two feet away. And and I noticed he had a couple of turnovers and I actually put that into the recap because I'm like, I get that. Those are just, I'm feeling this and I'm going to go for it. And he just didn't realize that, hey, man, that's not a 19-year-old rookie. That's often injured Kevon Looney, who surprisingly is still quite young, even though it feels like he's been around forever. But Seriously. Um, I, I'm with you on that. You know, you're, you're talking about Dre and, and, and when he's – when he's playing the right way and he's pushing the ball, you're right. He does, he looks like a like a, a point guard. Like you know the way he sees the floor and he's able to find the right the right guy at the right time to make the not only the the simple play but it, you know more often than not it turns out to be right. And and I agree with you. I think what they have to do on the offensive end because Andrew Wiggins has been very good this year. You know and and he's very not and, and he's not going to ever and anybody who has the notion in their head that this guy is going to, you know, develop into being why he was drafted number one in 2014. That's not going to happen. You know, like you are not going to see this guy develop into a 25 point a game, um, you know, eight rebounds, you know, five assists, six. That's, that's not his ceiling right now. I think we all have accepted the fact that Andrew Wiggins is what he is, but he's been very good defensively offensively. He is a guy you don't want creating, but he's able to sit there and okay, getting more confident. I think he's shooting over 40% on, on threes this year. That's a career high for him. So he's getting used to his role like that, you know, slashing and finding the, uh, finding the open lane and, you know, reading the play and reacting to it the right way. He's been great at that, but that's where the Warriors have been struggling is, and uh, you know, in the half court is, and that's what I was talking about. My frustration with the, with the Boston game is, they're all just looking for Steph, which I get that you, that, that is going to be your natural inclination is where is our best offensive guy. But at times where they're, they're chasing Steph and they're, and they're denying the pass and they're making it harder for him to even get the ball or they're pushing him out to, you know, near the center line because they're playing that good a defense. You got to look to attacker. You got to look for a counter to do that. And I think using Draymond somehow, somehow maybe even trying this in the, in the half court offenses, run a pick and roll with him and Wiggins, run a pick and roll with him and Looney right now. And, and you're doing a big, uh, you know, a big to big, basically a pick and roll and see what you get out of it. Because he, to me is the only one who has good enough court vision behind Steph that he's going to find open teammates, especially in the half court. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I kind of wish they would actually run some more post-ups for him too. It's it's his best area of the, on the court in terms of scoring. He can actually, you know, bully some smaller defenders and get some some decent looks at the hoop. And, you know, when you're posting up, you have kind of the whole court facing you and you have all the ball or all the off ball movement going on right in front of you. And and he's so dangerous as a passer there. And the Warriors run so many interesting actions with cutters coming through the lane and whatnot. So I would love to see them do that a little bit more, but it's a great point you bring up about just kind of looking for Curry and how they need to get a little bit out of that habit because they seem to do this kind of weird thing on offense where half of the time they're just standing around looking for Steph Curry And the other half of the time, they seem to be oblivious to the fact that Steph Curry is on their team and don't (laughs) prioritize him over Kelly Oubre or Andrew (laughs) Wiggins. And they need to find that middle ground, you know, because I've been critical of them not finding Steph Curry enough. But the reality is, it's not just about holding the ball and hoping that Steph Curry can get open and then getting him the ball. Because defenses, or at least, you know, good defenses are way too good for that. They're going to do all those things you just said. They're going to shut him down. And then you're going to be left isoing a subpar player with seven seconds on the shot clock or giving Curry the ball 40 feet from the hoop, triple teamed with a few seconds on the shot clock. They're not good options. They need to be more aggressive. And I think it starts with Draymond at playing offense in a way that allows Steph to get open so that they can get him the ball. Don't just stand there and hold it and hope he'll get open. Go to work, be aggressive, force rotations, force defensive commitments, force people to move around. And that not only gives you a good option when you're not getting the ball to Steph, but it increases the chance that he'll be able to get open in the process. So yeah, I think, I think they need to run more stuff for him, not just as Steph Curry's sidekick, but as, a point guard, you know, as, as you would with any other traditional point guard, you know, if they had a normal point guard, they'd run point guard with Kevon Looney pick and roll. They'd run point guard with Andrew Wiggins pick and roll. They should be doing that with Draymond. And, and, and that's right. If they're able to, if they're able to create more like, cause we know how much, how much attention Steph gets. We see that every single game, especially against the upper echelon teams are like, dude, you can try and score 30 points on seven to 25 shooting against us, but we're going to try and, you know, we're going to try and make life hard on you and let one of those other guys beat us. And we've seen the Warriors be able to take advantage against teams like Minnesota, where it's like, oh man, you know, Damian Lee really looks like he can play. It's like, well, look who you're playing against. You know what I mean? You're taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves. And when you're finding against the, the upper echelon teams, and I think this is something Kerr will work on. I, I have full faith in the Warriors coaching staff. I think they're one of the best in the league um, is, is trying to look at, like you're mentioning, okay, let, let's try and get Steph open in, in different parts. And I noticed that the last few games is, is there's been moments where I'm like, man, Steph is wide open on the three-point line. And it's because there's been so much movement on the offense. You've forced the defense to, like you mentioned, rotate their second rotation. Third rotation is resulting in Curry being open. Now, can he still go off with for 40 points with the ball in his hand every time, every time down the court? Yes. But is that going to be a formula for winning against good teams? I just don't think so. I think that's where they're, they're number one avenue is they can look at exploring on the offensive end because they're getting better defensively i think offensively they can clean that up i still think this team can be a four or five seed in the west we just have to see a little bit more improvement going forward let's wrap up on this because i wanted to talk about this was in the rumor mill throughout the week the lonzo ball thing right again i i don't i don't know if there's going to be a fit but would he not help maybe try and band-aid or if not correct some of these issues we're seeing with the Warriors on the offensive end because he's a pretty damn good on-ball defender as well. 
Yeah, he would he would help out with a lot of things. I think um, you know the concern obviously with Lonzo is always his inefficiency as a shooter. Uh, and when you're already talking about having a playmaker in Draymond who can't shoot well, I think there has to be some concern about just pairing a lot of non-shooters together. But Lonzo has tremendous vision. Isn't that um, what they're doing anyways right now? Yeah, it's true. How it's, bad it is, right? It's like. totally true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he would be an upgrade for sure, um, whether he is the best upgrade they can get or a guy they want to you know, commit to long-term, who knows? But yeah, I do. I mean, he's he's a very smart player for all of you know the criticisms for Lonzo I know a lot of people aren't fans of his games I'm you know pretty tepid on him and I don't think he's he's that good though he's a hell of a defender Uh, but he's an incredibly smart offensive player and I think most important to the Warriors offense is he knows how to push the ball he knows how to put the ball in positions where other players can thrive this is something I've always admired about his game is He's not that point guard who dribbles around, waits for the guy to get open, gets it to him. He's the point guard who, as soon as he sees, hey, you have a mismatch or you're in a good position on the court or you have some good opportunity, he's going to get you the ball immediately and realize that now your team is just in a better situation to thrive than they were before, even if the ball is out of his hands. And that, I think, is, is the best trait you can possibly have on the Warriors. I think it's part of why Andre Iguodala was so good offensively, even though he rarely did anything that made you go, oh, wow, nice play. But he was so effective because he just always understood, hey, if I pass the ball here, we're just going to be in a better situation to succeed. And I think Lonzo's great at that. So it would be fun to watch. And having, you know, having an on-ball defender that's that good who can also rebound as well as he can uh, would be a really, really nice thing for the Warriors. Well, and I'll say this too, much like Andrew Wiggins, I don't think Lonzo Ball is ever going to live up to being a number two pick, right? I'm not ashamed to admit Absolutely. that. But I do, like, like I said, his skill set is something the team really lacks, right? Like Brad Wanamaker is a solid backup point guard. He's not going to make mistakes. He's also not going to win you many games, you know, with it, with his, uh, with his overall style and, and what he does. Shooting the ball pretty well so far this season. Capable shooter, better than Lonzo from the three-point line. But like you said, not confident that he can kind of spur the offense to get going. And I think that's where, for me, uh, I'm looking at it like, okay, short-term-wise, it makes sense. Lonzo Ball's up for a new deal after this. He you know, could get a qualifying offer, could, could get a long-term extension. We'll have to see what happens with that. But ultimately, uh, in the short term, he does elevate your team. You know, And if you're looking for something like that, even a guy like J.J. Redick, where it's like you can kind of run him – as like a Steph light offense where you're kind of trying to set some screens for three or four minutes and try and see if you can get him some open jumpers or, you know, where he's catching it coming off a stagger and he's able to find the cutter, whatever it is, you can, you can use him in different things because what they have on the roster right now, and even with Uber, who I think is, is very good defensively. I just don't think there's a fit for him offensively because it's a lot for him to go through the movement and going through the, like, you know, with Phoenix last season, he was able to, to connect on threes from being open in the corner. He was able to dive to the hoop because they had DeAndre Ayton getting the ball at points. But right now he's looking at it like this is basically a five man out offense. And I don't think it suits his game. And, and I think that, you know, if you're looking to move on, if you're not going to re-sign him anyways, and you're just going to kind of take on the, um, you're going to deal with the expiring contract and, and save the money. Why not look to move him for maybe a piece that you could use not only now, but maybe next season too. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. And, and I do expect them to do that if they think that they don't want to resign him or they think that he won't resign if they do want to resign him. Uh, that I think is less likely, but um, you know, I think they will move to get someone else because really, you know, that's what the Warriors have done the last few years. Really. That's why they got D'Angelo Russell. 
Um, and it's why they then traded D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins is, you know, the sign and trade of, with Russell and, and Durant allowed the Warriors to take on a bigger contract. They wouldn't be able to sign in free agency. And then you trade him for Wiggins, who has a long-term contract for maximum money. It allows you to keep that. And the same thing with Ubre. You know, if they, if they just let him walk, sure, you save money, but you lose that ability to spend that $15 million a year. If they can trade him for someone who they think they have a chance at resigning or someone who has more than a year left on their deal, then you're giving yourself at least an avenue to continue to make improvements for next year, which ultimately, as, as much as I agree with you that they can be a four or a five seed this year, their primary focus is yeah. how can we get to be a championship contender next year? And I think that they will be looking at Kelly Oubre very carefully in terms of what can we do with you that gets us there? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Myers is smart enough to know, like you mentioned with the D'Lo thing, that, hey, I'm not just going to let this become a sunk cost, that we're just going to move for nothing. At least we got something out of it. And I, I agree with you with Ubre. What I think they will end up doing is looking to, if they can package that plus the Minnesota top three protected pick, which becomes unprotected in 2022, and they can bring in a guy. They're not going to get a superstar for that package. Let's be real. Um, but if they can get somebody who is like, okay, that could be another primary scorer for you. Like, I, I'm not going to say him. I'm just using a guy of his ilk, like a, like a Victor Oladipo. You're like, okay, this guy can come in and score. And, you know, he's up for a new deal as well. But just somebody of that kind of, that kind of style that will bring that dynamic to the offense. And I think you'd have to look at it because – once Clay comes back, and again, we don't know if it's going to be 60% of what we saw, 80% of what we saw, or the complete package of Clay Thompson. But whatever it is, you're right. They're, they're building for next season. So if you can add a piece with that, why not go ahead and do it? I do have to ask, are you planning on getting a haircut anytime soon, or are you rolling with the long long locks right now for the, for the time being? Oh, man. Uh, I hate the long locks, I'll be honest. I think it looks absolutely horrible. I apologize to all of our viewers, but uh, <laughs> I've been holding off for pretty much all of quarantine now, and I figure I'll just... Uh, Right, no, I actually like it. it I actually like it. I think it looks pretty good. I'm like, thank I'm, you. Yeah, I'm not just saying that. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's a bit of a, of, of a weird look for Brady, <laughs> you know, knowing what we know about you. But I mean, hey, this is the, this is a quarantine year. You're coming out a better person, I guess, at the end of it. Exactly. I'm going to come out a better person that no one recognizes, and then I'll <laughs> get a nice haircut, look all fresh like you, and and no one will know who I am. Well, I secretly, I secretly get my haircuts uh, in, in downtown, and I couldn't get one in the beginning of the pandemic, like through the first. What was it? Uh, when did they allow maybe three or three months that four months we couldn't mm -hmm. I looked a, a lot a lot worse than you so yeah don't worry. Actually, <laughs> it looks it looks pretty good and I'm not saying I look good by any means right now but my hair was out like this so I, I'm glad I was able to get a haircut every couple of months uh, don't forget to all you can subscribe to our podcast where, where you can, the audio side of it on uh, iTunes and Spotify. Also, you can check us out on Golden State of Mind throughout the season. We're going to have you covered doing these kind of episodes, uh, as well as news, opinions, analysis with everything happens in the Warriors world. He's Brady. I'm Jazz. We'll talk to you all again next week.